Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to have you in on a Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. I hope you had a good weekend. Uh, some uh, crazy NFL ball games. The beatdowns that were conference titles Saturday. And uh, a lot to get to. A busy and important week as we move towards the December 15th signing day. Portal, portal, portal. We'll dive into it with Greg Smith in about 15 minutes couple of great commits, too, for Nebraska football for 2022. Malcolm Hartzog, uh, do-everything defensive back that can, dare I say, return a kick or a punt. Uh, and then uh, Brody Tagaloa uh, also. So two gets for the defensive side. We'll jump into the portal quarterback. The OC names floating around this week. And uh, just where Coach Frost uh, may head and what announcements my, might lie ahead. By end of the week. Numbers to get in. Join us today on Hale Varsity at 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Give us a follow on Twitter. Find us there at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. It is always follow Hale Varsity at Hale Varsity at ESPN Lincoln. Hour two, Mr. Blackshirt himself, Charlie McBride. Will join us, Derek Peterson, Dr. Petey, uh, get into his thoughts on the weekend and uh, just where Nebraska football may be headed uh, in hour two. And then Black Shirt and uh, Big Red wrap-up co-host Jay Moore get his take on uh, D-Boogie heading off to the NFL and uh, what, what Jay would pick uh, stylistically for offense. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, news that came down here. Oh, about an hour or so ago on the basketball front. And uh, this is tough to hear uh, for Nebraska basketball. A statement released by Fred Hoiberg. And uh, that is this announcement uh, that assistant coach Matt Abdel-Massey taking a leave of absence from the Nebraska basketball program. Quoting here in the statement, Matt informed me that he's taking a leave of absence to deal with health-related issues. As both a colleague and friend, his health is our priority, and we will support him throughout this process. Everyone in our program looks forward to when he is healthy enough to return to the sideline, end quote. So best wishes to Matt Abdelmassi on a speedy recovery. Uh, it's been uh, a tough go for Nebraska basketball. We're on the road tomorrow, road show at the single barrel, part of our uh, pregame Real Red tip-off ahead of Nebraska, Michigan, Jawan and company roll into town. Nebraska basketball needing a win 
in the fiercest of ways. And uh, how they start isn't how they finish. They are, quite frankly, still tough to watch, still tough to take in some stretches of basketball. That happens with every team. It just seems that when Nebraska goes away from what's working, they not only open the door, they hold the door open for the other team to take control. We'll get more into basketball. Uh, OC thoughts. Let's go there because you've got the hot name today, and it's been a name that's been on the radar. Elijah, and I want to see how this grabs you. Mickey Joseph also had a really good sit-down with uh, Jock Doucette. He's uh, an LSU insider on YouTube. So we've got a couple of excerpts from that uh, that sit-down. Mickey's such a big get for Nebraska. I think he'll do wonderful things. That's coming up here in about five minutes. But from the OC uh, part of things, Elijah, I mean, you've got your names here. Zach Hill's name surfaced last week, later last week. He's the Arizona State coordinator. Uh, you got Ruggiero. He's the Wake Forest offensive coordinator. Uh, Whipple is is the Pitt offensive coordinator. Uh, you have Virginia's OC, who's kind of an older guy um, that that we talked with Vogel about a little bit on Saturday. Uh, Brent Davis from Army, and then the name of the day is Graham Harrell. That's a name we've heard early early. In this process, of course, he's been out at SC, and uh, Lincoln Riley and his crew are going to do their things. Graham Harrell's a, a, a pirate disciple. He's an air raid guy. That's the name. You just wonder, what what is the want of the direction of the offense? What are you going to have potentially at, at portal quarterback? What do you have on the roster that you like? And what's going to win for you, not only in September, but What's going to win for you in November in Lincoln? What's going to win for you in November? Think back to the Ohio State-Michigan game. It was glorious. It was a snow globe. It was running the football. The team that ran it best won. That was Michigan. Not that Ohio State was stupid to throw the ball to their four first-round wideouts or three first-round wideouts, but in the Big Ten, it's bare-knuckle time, man. The team that runs the football best is going to win nine times out of ten. Really fast, can we just remark on how there has been a different name circulating for this offensive coordinator gig about every single day? Well, there's four million openings. Well, I know, and, and I, I feel like the university's been pretty tight-lipped. I, I haven't heard many many leaks of what names could be. So on Saturday, it's the guy from Wake Forest. And then yesterday, Joe Brady gets fired from the Panthers. People are saying, oh, maybe it's Joe Brady. And now people today are saying, well, it's Graham Harrell. Just a, a new day brings a new name. And I am just ready for us to, to reach the end of this process and to, to finally know who it is. And, and you got to think you got to be reaching – towards the end of that process. I know the Journal Star reported over the weekend that uh, it was expected that whoever the offensive coordinator was going to be was going to have some sort of game that they were coaching in over the weekend, mm-hmm. and that, that may have been one of the reasons for the delay. I guess we'll see how true that is in the coming days here. Uh, but I'm, I'm ready to, to know who it's going to be because right now we're just still stuck in limbo of uncertainty. And you, you got Mickey Joseph. You have a little bit of certainty, but it's still just you have no idea what this offense of, is going to look like next year. You got a hell of a good coach and a hell of a recruiter. Mm-hmm. That, that's what you got with Mickey Joseph. But what are you saying to, to quarterbacks? Not only your own room, right, but the guys that, that are out there. I mean, Rattler's still out there. If Old Miss's OC goes to Oklahoma, does uh, Dylan Gabriel stay at Old Miss or can Nebraska swoop in on that? 
I mean, that'd be my first, second, and third pick right now is go get me Dylan Gabriel, uh, the Central Florida stud that isn't isn't working with Gus. Go get me that lefty, dude. Go get me that guy to chuck the football around. And by the way, he's mobile. Uh, that, that'd be my thought. But yeah, it, it's a little hard to go figure out what you want to do it on, on offense without your offensive coordinator. Now, Coach Frost has an idea. And if you're waiting on games to end so you can finalize, totally get it. And if you're getting an OC from a, a program that played in a conference title game, good. If you're waiting on Army-Navy to finish Saturday for uh, Brent Davis, that's more option, right? And meanwhile, Zach Hill's out there. I mean, they got a bowl game to get ready for. But so does Wake, so does Pitt. And then there's Graham Harrell. I mean, SC was 4-8. and eight. I just, listen, I know that Bama is killing it through the air. But when push comes to shove, they can line up and punch you in the face and run the ball. Same with Georgia. All right. Uh, Miami with getting Cristobal. They're going to get back to lean and mean Miami football on the offensive line. That's what made Oregon really good again is because Cristobal's a crusty old lineman at heart. And he wants to beat the hell out of you. Michigan put up 45 points on Alabama by running the ball for crying out loud. Who did? Michigan. Michigan put up 45 on Alabama? On Iowa. Yes. Did I say Alabama? Yes, that was, I was a snipe. Not, we need to go back and listen. I was almost positive I said Iowa, but yeah, that, I mean, that's forty-two what I'm to saying. three. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was. It's what Michigan's done all year. It's not that they can't or don't want to throw the football. I mean, nothing of Michigan's game plan was sexy on Saturday. Didn't have to be. They went and destroyed them. And what was the the strength of Iowa's team was how they they got takeaways from their secondary. So Michigan just said, okay, we'll run the ball right at you, stop us, and, and it worked. It got them in the college football playoff this year. Football is still built on running the football. And when push comes to shove, it is either how you want to do business or not. Do you want to win looking sexy or do you want to win with sure power and being a team that doesn't have to look great, but guess what? You're going to be wanting to say uncle by the third quarter or the middle of the fourth quarter. That's exactly what, what's at stake here with this offensive coordinator higher in this direction. And what you have on the roster right now, you got a little bit of a, a sample from Logan Smothers. Is he a pass-first guy? No. Is he a liability throwing the football? I wouldn't say that. Is he, is he somebody that you're going to want to throw the football with 47 times a game? Absolutely not. And then we don't know about Harburg. I know there's a ton of upside with his skill set, his ability, and just his body type. So if you want to throw the football for 300 a game, I'm all right with that, but still want to or be able to run it for a couple of hundred. You run for 200 yards, you're going to win a lot of ball games. Look at the teams right now. Ohio State is, is Ohio State. But even when they, they went to the football playoff last year, how did, they, how did they get there their final three games? As good as the receiving core was last year, as good as Justin Fields was last year, they rode Trey Sermon. Right, They rode Trey Sermon against Northwestern. They rode Trey Sermon in the opening round against Clemson. Okay, That's how they did it. They had a really good offensive line. Their O-line's not as good this year, but they had the wideouts. And quite honestly, they got out-muscled. They got out-muscled by Michigan. They got out-muscled by Oregon. And Nebraska wasn't a real easy pushover for them either. They wanted to win a certain way. 
Uh, and I get philosophy, that's how you're built, but you've got Purdue and Ohio State and probably Penn State and Maryland. Those are your four pass-first teams in the Big Ten. Ohio State's going to kill you because they're great defensively, they're great offensively. They are the elite of the elite when it comes to talent, recruiting, and depth. They have four first-round wide receivers. Yes, and you're stupid not to use them. But you also got Travion Henderson. It's a hell of a good back, and maybe if you ran the ball a little more or, or did that earlier, hindsight, in the game plan against Nebraska or the game plan against Michigan, maybe it's a different result. Here's your run first teams. And there's a monster talent gap when we look at recruiting stars and recruiting rankings. But teams like Minnesota and Wisconsin and Iowa and Illinois and Sparty and, of course, Michigan, they just get down a certain way. And Minnesota may not beat Ohio State, but they're competitive. Why? Because they run the football. Wisconsin, their quarterbacks, he's a liability. But they still were able to win eight ball games a year. At worst, that's their well, we had a down season. That's their that's their regression is is an eight and four. But they're still one dimensional and it doesn't matter. You can't stop that dimension. Look at the jump Sparty took with a great running back, decent offensive line, and a guy that's okay at quarterback in a horrific secondary. They're still at ten and two in a New Year's Day six. The pig farmer, for God's sake. Bielema had these guys knocking on the door of a bull berth. <laughs> with with a guy named Art at quarterback and 75 offensive linemen where they went and punched Penn State in the mouth. Iowa, 10-win football team. Quarterback, musical chairs, a really good running back, not as good an offensive line, but a great center and, a, and an opportunistic defense. You can pair it however you want, but that's how you're going to be successful more years than not in the Big Ten. That's running the football. Should we sneak in a little Mickey here real quick? So Mickey Joseph, his uh, YouTube interview with uh, Jock Doucette, LSU insider. We have time for just a couple of comments, I think, from from Mickey. But this was Mickey on on his decision to come to Nebraska. This was posted. Kevin Suitsy tweeted this out, uh, our buddy from 1011. Pretty good listen, pretty good uh, interview on, on Mickey's departure. And Nebraska fans excited he's back home. LSU's been good to me and my family, you know, and it was a, it was a tough decision. And if, if it, it would have had to be one job that I probably would leave LSU for, it was to go back to the um, University of Nebraska. You know, I'm a model where I played at, where, you know, where it started for me. Um, a university that took a chance on me coming out of high school. And um, just just the situation that's going on up there, I think Scott's it's got it on um, the right path. And I think just, you know, a couple more pieces in there and, and, and get the get the technique and and you know a lot of things tighten up <clears throat> within the program. You know I think I think it's on the right track. So a little bit more into the transition as far as if Mickey had a chance to stay or not at, at LSU, but I think there's a great opportunity here in Lincoln. More from Mickey Joseph. When a new coach comes in, you know he he has the right to to, to similar to guys around him that that he that he knows that he trusts and and and. Coach Kelly's a, a you know great coach. You know wherever he's been, he's won. You know so LSU has you know they they got a good they got a good football coach. You know good person, but I think that they have the right to do that. Um, and you know sometimes you, you you don't you want you want to get everybody out the building so you can get your philosophy in, and it's, it's it's something that you believe in. But it happens in this profession. It happens in and and in this profession you got to stay ahead of the game. You know so you know you know when when Coach O was you know will let go. You know you had to start making phone calls. You had to 
take care of your family. That's just, that's just the busy part. That's the business part of this profession. Great profession. I always say ugly business sometimes. Last thought from Mickey. We'll finish up his comments here around 440, but uh, specifically recruiting in New Orleans, how he's done it so well for years. You know, New Orleans is um, a tough recruiting area. You know, it, it's about relationships. And, um, and I mean, whoever he hires, him, you know, I'm sure Coach Kelly, he's, he's going to be smarter about it. You know, bring some guy, guy in with some ties um, to, to that city because um, there's, there's, you know, a lot of great coaches, coaches in there and they're passionate about their kids. You know, you, you catch a lot of heat sometimes, but you don't offer their kids and uh, another SEC school is offered, you know, and, and it's just the nature of the business. But I just tell you that, you know, he'll bring in, he'll bring in a guy that, that you know, with ties to the city. And, um, but it's, at the end of the day, it's LSU. The kids in the city, you know, they understand that. We, we, we don't push that since I've been here. Frank was pushing it before he was here, when he was here. So the kids in the, in the city understands about the, um, the brand of LSU. They'll know a lot about Nebraska in the short future. Greg Smith next. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Roadshow tomorrow, single barrel be there with us, 4-6 to six ahead of Nebraska. Michigan tip is at uh, 6, so come on down early. Get yourself a steak and a beer. And, uh, See if Nebraska can snap this uh, skid. We welcome in recruiting insider with Hale Varsity. Greg Smith joins us at Greg Smith HV. So, Greg, uh, I bumped into you at the grocery store last night. I went with the chicken breast. Were you uh, gearing up with some short ribs? What did you end up with? Oh, man, I, I wish I was getting short ribs. Um, I was not. I actually ended up with the same um, same mission as you and ended up with chicken breast. I feel like we cooked all the chicken uh, that we had last night in preparation of things kind of being crazy and, and needing uh, a quick meal. These, these are the things that I do to prepare to bring you guys this great information. Man, you know? it's, it's, it's meal prep. It's uh, YouTube <laughs> shows. It's radio hits. It's Greg Smith media, baby. I love it. Okay, we will get into OC. See, we will get into quarterback. We will get into timeline. But I want to get your take here on Malcolm Hartzog out of out of Mississippi, and of course uh, you have Brody Tagaloa, defensive end out of California. Reaction to both those gets over the weekend. Of course, Malcolm today. Yeah, you know what's funny is it feels like Brody committed weeks ago because things just <laughs> continue to happen at a breakneck pace. Uh, but that was just yesterday. Let's start with him. Uh, big defensive lineman out of California, uh, probably 6'4", 6'5", 260 pounds. Um, and he's a guy that was relatively new to, on the radar for Nebraska fans. But the Huskers had actually been on him um, since last May when they offered him. Um, and he had been kind of a guy they were working quietly behind the scenes, as evidenced by Tony Tuioti, um, went and visited him during the first bye week. Um, and we just didn't know um, because they kept that under wraps. Um, So they've kept that relationship going uh, for a while. I think Nebraska got picked for him most closely over Cal um, out on the West Coast who was also recruiting him pretty heavy too. 
And then um, as far as Malcolm Hartzog goes, the defensive back out of Mississippi, he's a really interesting football player to me uh, because he did a lot. <laughs> you go and read the story that I have on HailVarsity.com. Um, he put up a lot of rushing yards and touchdowns. He caught passes for touchdowns. He was obviously a really good defender. I mean, he plays cornerback, and maybe most importantly for Nebraska's purposes, he's a great return man. Um, and his coach I talked to a little bit earlier today mentioned that, you know, after the first four games, teams started to kick away from them, uh, just kicked the ball out of bounds because he had already had double-digit return touchdowns um, after the first handful of games of the season. Uh, so that could really be something interesting that the Huskers use uh, pretty quickly. 11. 11 kickoff or punt return touchdowns on top of three interceptions, on top of kind of your, your do-it-all, get-to-the-edge jet guy i mean he's he's a very intriguing athlete and he's a he's a physical dude despite his size yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's one of the things that you look for when you, when you say, okay, well, he doesn't have, you know, the exact measurables that maybe you would normally see, especially out of Travis Fisher's defensive back recruits. Um, but guys that play tough and physical, no matter their size, always have a place on football teams. Um, and like I said, those 11 touchdowns in the return game have to be intriguing. Um, he's also Mr. Football in the state of Mississippi down in 3A down there, um, which is about the same as the equivalent of B, uh, Class B here in Nebraska. Uh, so I'm really intrigued by him. I I think he can end up being a sleeper on some book guys' list uh, once his class is signed. Guy feels like he can just make it happen in the return side of things, and that'd be big for Nebraska in special teams. Greg, let's let's get to OC before we go. Portal quarterback. The hot name is well, pick a pick a day for a different name, but <laughs> right. you've got uh, Graham Harrell. And I know that some of your your sources. Early on, told you about Graham Harrell, SCOC, and of course, former uh, Air Raid disciple, um, Zach Hill, also from Arizona State. What are you feeling right now? If you're to spin the wheel and let's just say it's roulette, (laughs) what (laughs) what name are you betting on here? Or is your guess as good as anybody's here? Do you have a feel at all? It is so tough. This is one of, you know, a lot of the times when, when Nebraska go and think through things like this, there are a couple of names and it's just really a couple and we're kind of like, oh, I don't know if we want to say them. This time, the people that you named and more, there's Brett Davis out at Army, there's Reggio, the guy out at uh, Wake Forest. Um, there's a number of people. that That's, what, five total that we've just named in the span of a couple of minutes, which tells you that we really don't know as much <laughs> um, at this point in the stage uh, of the game. So it's pretty interesting how close to the vest that this thing has been kept. That tells me that things have kind of shifted and changed. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Considering how much movement we've seen around college football, it could just be that new names are available that Scott Frost didn't have available to him when he made the moves uh, back in November to, to open up staff or some slots on that staff um, but at the same time I understand why the fan base had kind of hand-wringing at this point because I don't know that Scott Frost has earned kind of that benefit of the doubt given what's happened in the first four years of the tenure. Greg we've, we've already seen Mickey Joseph do a little bit of work on the recruiting trail since he was announced on Friday and, and I think that's why Husker fans want to get a new offensive coordinator in here ASAP they want to see what they can do on the recruiting trail especially at the quarterback position but, but do you think it's more advantageous for you to uh, or for the Huskers I should say uh, to be patient here and, and wait for the coaching carousel to, to play it out just a little bit before they make their decision I, I guess what I'm asking here is what do you think the timeline should be for Nebraska to be announcing their offensive coordinator I would have thought that the offensive coordinator needed to be announced by now 
but I also didn't see all of the chaos coming that that we've had so far, right? So I could, you could make the argument that it makes sense to wait because it feels like every day, including yesterday when Joe Brady got fired in the NFL, that every day someone else becomes available um, that you weren't expecting even just a couple of days prior to that. So I can understand wanting to wait, but at the same time, there's only so much time, you know, we were about a week, almost 10 days into the early signing period. Also, you know, we're, we're, I'm sure we'll talk about this here in a second. Quarterback is a big deal in all of this. You've got to figure out who it is that you're going to identify in the transfer portal. A lot easier to do that when you have an offensive coordinator in place and or a quarterback's coach. There are quarterbacks that are, are out there that, that could fit with what you're doing now and could fit with whoever you bring in. Because your, your reality is Logan, who's a really good running quarterback that impressed me throwing the ball, but he's not a pass-first guy. Harburg has got a ton of upside. Torres is, is out there. Uh, there could be some shake-up on Old Miss, Old Miss's staff, and that may not matter because it's still Lane's offense. So right. I think about Gabriel, you know, the, the Central Florida kid that visited, and, and he's obviously uh, there's some crossover with, with – UCF and Frost, another Hawaiian quarterback. Uh, Rattler's uh, been around town, allegedly. I mean, <laughs> you're hearing 40 different <laughs> things on that. Him and Steve Spurrier have the ca- same uh, cable provider, right? So, <laughs> nice. so is there a quarterback you like? Miles Brennan, LSU. Is there someone uh, under the radar from, uh, from, from two rays? Neck of the woods, i.e., you know, a division below, but was really good. I mean, if, if you if you, if Greg Smith gets a phone call after you hang up with us, and Frosty's like, "Who do you want at quarterback, Greg?" Because I know that's going to happen. Who would you take? <laughs> oh man, of course the name is now escaping me. Maybe you remember the the quarterback that went into the portal from Fresno State um, that had tremendous accuracy. I watched his tape, and I cannot think of his name um, right now for the life of me. But he's a guy that would be really intriguing to me. Um, Jack Miller, uh, the quarterback that transferred out of Ohio, transferred out of Ohio State because they've mm-hmm. always got guys um, that are talented leaving Ohio State, and we've seen that play out before. He's a guy that would intrigue me. Um, so both of those guys are maybe past first guys. So that tells you uh, kind of where I would be more leaning towards with the offense in the future. But that doesn't mean that that's where Scott Frost is leaning towards in the future, um, which is what we still don't know to be able to see what type of quarterback he would have. And I think your point's well taken though about you know what they have in the room and being realistic about that I think that there's no doubt in my mind that they're going to go out and look for a transfer portal quarterback. I think they just have to uh, because only two of those three quarterbacks that you mentioned for Nebraska next year that are on scholarship are healthy right now. So you definitely need to have uh, well, Richard Torres being the guy coming off an injury coming in as a freshman. You definitely need to have another guy in there. Hayner is the kid out of Fresno State, but he'll probably probably follow DeBoer up to Washington. So Yeah, you gotta try you gotta try to head that off. But yeah, that that guy is probably my favorite quarterback um in the entire group. So I am interest, interested in doing Gabriel too. Do you have a an offense in mind? I mean what what would you what would you go with? I mean is Air Raid say they go down this road, is Air Raid the answer in the Big Ten? I don't 
think so unless you're unless you can somehow pair that with you know it's funny when when leach was running the air raid to perfection down to texas tech they still ran the ball very efficiently mm-hmm. um if you could have that element of it, if you could guarantee me that, I would be okay with the air raid. Um, apologies to the Husker fans screaming at me through the radio right now. Um, but I don't think that that would be the way to go. I think it would be more of a balanced attack where you try to have an element where you can still run the quarterback a little bit, but that's not going to be the main guy that you rely on to run the football. Whatever they do, and I feel like I'm a broken record on this, Nebraska has to figure out how to have a running back lead them in rushing in 2022. Mm-hmm. That would be one of the most key things I'm looking for uh, for next season's success. Greg, when Scott Frost was hired here, he said he wanted to combine Oregon speed with Husker power in this Husker offense. As we're now four years down the road, has that experiment failed or have we even really gotten to see the, the, the fruits of that? We haven't gotten to fully see the fruits of it because we haven't seen the power part of it. I feel like we've seen a little bit more of the speed because the the concept of the offense, um, and I think Schmitty said this to me last week, the, the offense doesn't need to be totally you know, thrown out the window because we see every week guys running open. We can see the running lanes that could be created, uh, but they just have to do it, right? Like the offensive line play has just been so up and down and mostly down last year um, that you've got to figure out that piece, I think, before you can say that it's totally failed but at the same time they haven't been able to do that so you could say that it's failed um but i think that you're if you could get closer obviously to what frost was wanting to see with that husker power part i think that that's the most important missing element especially when you're going to be in the big 10 they they can run air raid they can run oregon they can run option they can run power spread they can run spread but you got to have the o-line to do it leach's air raids all had five you know, trained killers hurting people on the offensive lines, be it at Tech or Washington State or now Mississippi State. There's your yep. difference. And, and that's where Nebraska needs to get. Greg, about a minute here, portal names or portal guys. Seems like the world's trying to go get uh, Butch Davis's guys on the O-line. <laughs> yeah, I think Butch Davis's guys on the O-line. Um, I think today there was a lot of movement with Virginia's um, yes. offensive linemen. Um, and you saw their their guy was second team All-ACC center, one of the best offensive linemen in the country, especially one of the best centers in the country. He went into the portal in another couple of guys as well. I think Nebraska is continuing to really look hard at that offensive line. We're talking about how important that is. I think Nebraska is definitely aware uh, of trying to shore that up. I still think they'd like to get a, a veteran defensive back. They had Ryan Trab in from Abilene Christian over the weekend. I think you'll see at least one more uh, veteran defensive back transfer come in for this next week as well. And then pass rush as well is still continuing to be a focus. Um, there's a number of spots where Nebraska still needs to just kind of upgrade the talent across the board. Greg, we'll check in again soon. Thanks for the time today, bud. Hey, thanks as always. You guys have a good week. Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. 
Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Greg Smith, recruiting insider with Hale Varsity. That's posted on ESPN Lincoln On Demand. Also, the Twitter handle at ESPN Lincoln. Some thoughts on the OC, the quarterback, Chase in the portal, names, recruits in uh, Nebraska. Uh, busy this week. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out by the end of the week with either staff fillings again and uh, player acquisitions. Numbers to get in. Open phones till 5 at 466-37-76-800-825-5865. What do you want to see on offense? Been saying that for a while. But uh, you pick what's the style offensively you want. What would work? What would win? And um, can can Nebraska go that route? And, and listen, I'm not anti-Air Raid. I'm not anti-Oregon. You just got to have the, the right O-line to do it. And it's it's not been consistent. I think they've got some pieces here to do it. Now, a big probably the, the biggest piece of that puzzle is Cam Jurgens. And if he's taken off, and there's been no announcement, but if he ain't here, that that sucks. <laughs> that really isn't good for the Nebraska offensive line. But you got to make do. You got to figure it out. Charlie McBride's 20 minutes away. Uh, Derek Peterson from Hale Varsity. Jay Moore going to check in with us around 540. But get me an O-line that's physical, that's competent, that can move, can be physical and uh, that's how you're gonna you're gonna climb up the ladder from a one win Big Ten 2021. Yeah, and you're saying that you're not against Oregon speed. You're not against uh, the, the flashy offense. You're just pro triple option, right? I would. <laughs> I, I would. Here's the here's the biggest problem with going with that. You could totally win with it. You'd do well. It's recruiting. And the fan base is. I, I think the fan base is cool with whatever you bring in as long as it works. But you're gonna you're gonna be able to go get some elite dudes with Mickey Joseph. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be able to get some elite guys if, if Bill Bush is on staff. You're gonna be able to develop some really high end kids, which is what you need to to do at Nebraska. You need to get and sprinkle in like ready made talent. But there's a reality of development that is gonna be necessary two to three years, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's how you've won for five decades. Is you get a kid in, maybe he's from Lincoln East, or maybe he's from North Platte, or maybe he's from the Metro, whatever the case. And by his third year, there's been enough reps, hopefully, and enough physicality, hopefully, in practice that when they step into league play, they can handle themselves. And if that offensive guard or tackle goes down, guess what? Someone's been practicing at a high level enough to step in and and be good where it's not seven sacks allowed or 50% pressures allowed on dropbacks where your quarterback's busting his jaw and there's no run game. There's no consistent run game or rotation. Now, if you got guys like Betts and Omar and tight ends like Austin Allen, you're stupid not to use them. I'm, I'm not anti-pass, okay? I'm not Stone Age football guy. Uh, I know you got to have it, but I just know – you can you can sting a lot of teams with a serviceable passer if you can set the run game up and get some play action. 
So Nebraska won for years with an option quarterback throwing the football. Maybe a career 50% guy completion-wise. But guess what? On third and two, uh, they're either running short side or it's a play action. And Johnny Mitchell's open for a gain of 46. I'm okay with that. Uh, and I think you can, you can win that way. And you see teams like Michigan, like, like, <laughs> like Wisconsin, like Minnesota, and in some of their more power years, like Ohio State. I mean, that, that, that power spread that Urban ran with the, the Veer, I mean, he shifted away from a mobile quarterback to a, a pass-first guy. And I'm good with that. I'm good with getting a pass-first guy, but you got to get, get a guy that's, that's mobile and a threat with his legs but, but can't be the rushing offense. It's not worked for four years. You sprinkle it in. It's uh, it's a little it's a little ghost pepper on your wings, not full ghost pepper, where you're you're sweating it out. You've been to Burger King recently. Free, I have not. I have not. I just I just know that too much a uh, one thing ain't good. And if you're so reliant on your quarterback, that's like getting smoked by ghost pepper. And and you've seen it where you're right there and you can't get over the hump. Oregon. Do they go get Joe Brady? Because if you're Joe Brady and you get S-canned right before kickoff, you're clearly looking for head jobs. Mm. You want out. And that's why you punt him if you're Matt Rule. He's a he's a risky head coaching hire for college football, in my opinion. When you look at the talent that LSU team had, I mean, he was an all right play caller in Carolina, but but you you don't it's know. It's hard if, to screw up nineteen LSU. Yes, it is. So it's one thing. Does he deserve another chance in college football? Was that where I think he's probably going to be going? Yes. Will whoever hire him have to back up the Brinks truck to be able to hire him? Most likely. But with Oregon, that's a that's a, a risky hire. Um, if I was Oregon personally, I'd, I'd be chip. I'd be uh, I'd be dialing up Chip Kelly and saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, you want to come back? You want want to run it back? We can we can have the same success we had ten years you ago." You don't like Pasadena? Just just get to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl. You don't have to live there anymore. That'd be my first call. Is is Chip Kelly? Real estate's a little cheaper in uh, in Otson. I think he. I think Chip had this sweet like cabin thing set up, surrounded by by pine trees, just secluded to draw up plays and be a mad scientist let's hear a little bit more from from mickey joseph uh we'll have some more thoughts on nebraska basketball again come see a single barrel road show tomorrow four to six ahead of nebraska michigan single barrel inside the graduate down to the Haymarket. great food and drink specials get uh get a thick old steak before you go watch uh, nebraska and michigan basketball uh for real red tip-off so uh we we talked uh, a lot about Mickey Joseph's sit-down with uh, LSU insider Jacques Doucette. Uh, That's uh, the YouTube interview. So Mickey touched on his time at Nebraska, the the transition with the reality of the coaching business and, uh, you know, recruiting New Orleans. This is really awesome. Kind of Mickey's mantra, Mickey Joseph's mantra, what type of coach he is, what type of accountability he demands in that wide receiver room. And uh, Mickey kind of explains how, how he treats the kids, what he expects of the kids, and the standard they're held to. And uh, they're all making first-round money. Uh, cut uh, number six right here. That's, that's part of that room. You know, that's, that's one thing you better have. Because if you, if you don't have the dog in you, you're going to get called out. 
you're not only gonna get called out by the coaches, you're gonna get called out by your peers in there. And and if you and if you got a, film, a, a play on film where you you letting somebody just get into you, or you're gonna hear about it, you're gonna get upset. And I and I never intervene. I I let you know it's a lot of things being said in there, <laughs> you know. And I I, st- I sit back because they're brothers, and and that's what you should do. You should hold your brother accountable, you know. Yeah. So we allowed that, you know. We allowed that. No matter how many, you know, we had three pass game coordinators come through there. You know, and I said, but, but we allowed that with all even the other pass game coordinators because I was saying, no, they're going to fix this. They fix it among themselves, you know, and, and that's one thing about that room. Like I said, great character kids, but they got after each other when, when you didn't when you when you didn't get the job done. And that could be doing a game that, you know, there's a lot of things said, you know, and I'm like, OK, let them roll. Pretty good accountability for Mickey. We'll wind down hour one with Hale Vars. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's Hale Varsity. Dot com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Did the old psychological got up on the ladder and put two balls through the hoop? Sometimes that thing looks like a little thimble up there, which it does right now. But you know, I put two balls, they both fit in the rim. That's a big, it's a big ass hoop. And our guys need to understand that. Husker's been shooting at the old carnival hoop. Go to the fair, try and win a big old bear for your sweetie. I suck at basketball anyway, so it wasn't the rim. But they are hurting from three-point land, man, and it's part of this offense. We'll see if they get it going. Tough news with Matt Abdelmassi taking a medical leave of absence. That announcement uh, earlier today. Nebraska tries to regroup uh, against uh, Jawan and Michigan Tomorrow, single barrel, come see us 4-6. to six. Road show, real red tip-off. Ahead of the Big Red and Michigan. Saturday was frustrating. Nebraska's up 10 two different times, 14-4, 16-6. And they moved the ball. They had a nice kick-out three for McGowan's, drilled it. And then it got sticky where Nebraska stopped moving the ball. There'd be some possessions where McGowan's or Webster just launch one without really working the offense. Not just to highlight those two guys. Other guy, I mean, Wiltshire struggled from distance as well. Uh, too dribble happy sometimes. And they, they just went away from what was working or stopped trying to do what was working. And it got really stagnant on offense. Here comes transition points. Indiana got hot from three. And uh, you, you lose a 10-point lead and you lose by 13. Where... Your your starts against NC State and Indiana have been really good. You've looked competent at times, and then guys just force it. And I feel bad for Verge because he's played a lot of basketball where he'll make a decision or two that, that don't end well, and, and he'll get ripped a little bit. But then I see either guys come off the bench or your five-star phenom uh, just try and step back through it and it's way off, and it doesn't seem like it's uniform criticism. It doesn't seem like, and maybe it's it's 
different in the huddle when they come to the sideline. But they got to figure out an offensive system and setup, and what Fred maps out for you early has worked. Keep doing it. It's no time for, for for cowboy John Wayne hero ball. And it's not immediate, but it really chips away at a lead you've done a good job of building in your last two games. They just – some of the guys on the team just refuse to – Keep sharing the ball. But I don't think it's panic time yet. I mean, you've seen you've seen the flashes from Bryce McGowan's of the skill. It's just he's still getting accustomed to the the different types of athleticism he'll see in college. I mean, uh, in the past couple of games, it just feels like he doesn't know when he can go up and challenge somebody at the rim and when he should stay away. He, he's he, so good, though, at maneuvering to the rim. He is. He's so good at getting to the rim, but then he's also, the past couple of games, been dealing with getting his shot blocked too much. Sure, and, and there's just a lot of, a lot of settling. Mm-hmm. from the outside and this offense is designed to get you at the rim or hit an open three and and Kise's been off as well you need him shooting mid 40s and he's not my, my biggest complaint with the team has just been that the three-point looks that they take aren't good looks no. I, I see guys passing up wide open threes and then the shot clock winds a little bit and they're they're jacking up contested threes and it's just it, that's I'm sure they are good shooters, but it's hard to knock one down with a guy in your face. Well, and with Verge, I like him maneuvering through the lane, and he he's done a really nice job the last few games of trying to create. But it's it's just not worked. They got to get one tomorrow night. I'm not optimistic. Coach McBride's next hour two with Hale Varsity Radio. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Monday. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Feldarius Payne off to the transfer portal. Uh, wish him well. Uh, really had a great start to the season for Nebraska. Getting after the quarterback. Nice game against the Illini. But uh, he has left a lot of departures for Nebraska football and some more potentially pending We'll uh, welcome in Mr. Blackshirt himself. It's another Monday with Charlie. And I think his type of weather, his type of ball game is going to be happening Monday night in Buffalo with all sorts of wind and snow. Coach, it looks like a, kind of a, a snow globe ball game for this Monday night football. you got to love that throwback weather. How are you? Well, we're, we got uh, winter advisories on our TV flashing on and off. So, uh, well, we're having is what we call snowstorms here. They come in and then last for an hour or half hour, and then they snow like heck, and then they disappear. Come back again a little while later, so you don't know what's going to hit you. 
enough to make it a headache, I'm sure. Oh, it is. Well, stay you, stay safe. I'll do it. Like I'm inside where it's warm, right? That's all I care right now. Uh-huh. Put another log on the fire. Uh, what to get your reaction, Coach. Uh, we've been talking about Mickey Joseph for a while, and the announcement uh-huh. came down Friday right before noon, and Mickey's uh, back in Lincoln, passing game coordinator, associate head coach, and, uh, of course, wide receivers coach. You remember Mickey well. What do you think? Well, I think it's a good deal. I, he's he's had a good background. He really has. He's worked hard. He's uh, you know, with his brother and and I think there's a couple. I think there might be a couple of more relatives in mm-hmm. in coaching too around. And uh, but Mickey was always a well liked person. I mean, a guy that was a good worker and never. You know, a lot of kids are moaning and groaning sometimes and. I never saw it out of him. Of course, I was on defense, but that's I still see the kids enough to know, you know, how hard a worker he was. And and the you know he was a good uh, he wasn't a loud leader. He was a good leader, in in the fact that he just played well and and was always working hard at what he did. He kind of let his performance do his talking. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, he was. He, he had some pretty great running abilities and throwing too. Mm-hmm. And the thing, the thing that I that I saw with him was his, you know, uh, a lot like Roger Craig was in, in some ways. You know, he was he was a backup player for a while, and you never heard a thing out of him. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we moved. Of course, we moved Roger from high back to full back, and Mike Rozier came in and. You know, he he didn't say a thing. He just played the position and made us better. Team guy, that's what you got to have. Yeah. What uh, what do you think about Mickey's ability to to kind of infuse some talent on the recruiting trail from from where Mickey's been? And he's done a great job down in Louisiana, down in New Orleans. And I know a lot of your really good defenses had New Orleans flavor. Well, I tell you what, we got some good football players out of New Orleans. Uh, Jack Pierce was back there then, and he did a heck of a job down there. Um, you know, we have three or four kids that really were, you know, with Neil Smith now was a first-round draft choice for us. And, you know, he's the guy that came came out of uh, New Orleans at McDonough 35 and, and – but you know, I think with his background back there, he he's he'll be stronger than ever before that we've had, mm-hmm. because he knows the people down there. That's a big thing, I think, when you're recruiting. And you know, if you're one of them, they listen. If you're maybe one of us, they don't listen as hard. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> you know. So I think it makes a difference. And I think you know everybody that's ever come up from down there is. You know, stayed and played, and you know, so it's always been a positive area. That home state connection—you're so right about the relatability and just the trust. Correct when it comes to having a homegrown guy tell you what what he thinks. Well, I think it's parent You know, parents are always concerned about you know, you know, when they go that far away from home, what kind of you know background that the university has as far as taking care of kids. You know, they know they can play football. They don't worry about that as much as they do what kind of education they're going to get and what kind of help they're going to get along the way. And, 
you know, that people are honest with them and straightforward. And, and I think that's where Mickey's going to have a really plus in the, you know, in that area. <clears throat> I assume he will go down in that area and, and probably straight up north, maybe through Texas and so forth. I don't know. But, um, but he's, you know, all I've heard is good things about him through the other coaches that I've talked to. What type of influence can Mickey bring to this offensive staff that's in transition? Well, anytime you move from one place to another, you learn something. And when you've been to three or four places and you've been places that have, you know, won, here you got one that won a national championship. He's coached in the first-round draft choices. He's coached players that have been great players. He knows what it takes. And that's the important thing when you're, you know, going back to recruiting a little bit. That, you know, when you see a kid – yeah, there's something about them that you know about because you've already experienced it. So, um, uh, you know, that 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 in itself is going to be a real plus. Charlie McBride's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Coach, whenever you're looking at, at Mickey Joseph's ties down in, in L, or down in Louisiana, I should say, does it ever extend beyond state borders? I, I know he's got name recognition in, in that Louisiana community, but will it help him in other states such as, say, Alabama oh, yeah. and Georgia? Right. It, it, it does because, you know, a lot of times your knowledge of people that go from where they, you know, from your area, maybe moved up to Texas, moved to different places, and, you know, the longer you're in coaching, the more people that maybe moved around and you run into them. And a lot of high school coaches will go over the border, you know, and go coach in the other state and things like that and that you've had experience with. And, and of course, when you grow up down there, just like I grew up in Chicago, when I went in there, I knew almost I knew everybody. I mean, I, I could go into school and they knew who I was. I knew who they were. And it was it was easy. And uh, so it, you know, it it really is it really is helpful because coaches will go over the border. I don't, I should not probably say this, but sometimes a guy will retire and go over the border and double dip. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Coach on the other side, but be retired on the one side. I know Oklahoma and Texas are big that way. There's a lot of coaches from Oklahoma, from Oklahoma that will retire and then go down to Texas and coach, or vice versa. But, you know, at his age in that area, that, and the reason I say that, that's such a popular area with athletics and football, that that happens more than, more than it does up north. Charlie McBride's with us here on Monday with Charlie Hale, Varsity Radio. Coach, uh, want to dive into kind of the next item on the to-do list with a lot of items to do between uh, recruiting, uh, also transfer portal recruiting, and filling out this staff with Scott. Uh, so you've got Mickey, but you still don't have an offensive coordinator or an offensive line coach. What, what would you like to see uh, on offense here? Because I'm hearing different names and there's different styles and systems. You have a certain level of talent, what you've recruited for, that's already here. But also mm-hmm. you're you're trying to to figure out to be a better offense in general running the football and throwing the football well i think one of the things that that's where mickey will help too because he knows a lot of people and 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 as as much as he has he's moved around enough where he knows people probably now and just about a lot of different parts of the country even and 
I'm sure that he's worked for some people that he that he knows that he feels good about. I think it's important that he takes part of what uh, Scott's going to do. I think it's really important that you know coaches work together. Um, you know, uh, and it and works a lot better if you know somebody or you have somebody like Mickey may have somebody in mind that he'd like to see up here, and I'm sure he's going to tell Scott. I mean, that's that's. I mean, it, I, that's going to happen. I'm, you know, if he does, you know, there may be even somebody on the on the Louisiana staff that was special to him and uh, things like that. But there'll always be something new come out of whatever, and and they can fit that in to what Scott's really thinking. I think that's where you really uh, improve your offense is you take what you know the best, and if you can relate that to the the new coaches. They can insert what they know the best in some ways, and maybe you know it comes out in a positive way. And so each time, you know, I know different. I taught kids a little bit different than uh, you know the coach before me at Nebraska, and the players, you know, responded pretty good to it. So I know they didn't not they didn't rebel. <laughs> in other words, but I think when you have you got some solidity on defense. And, uh, you know, I think you're getting some good leaders over there. And I think offensively, I think they're young kids that are going to talk to each other. And that's what they do in the offseason and make make a pact that we're going to get it done. And that's usually what happens with a group like they have right now that played last year. Uh, They have enough, enough people to do that. So... I think along with some new things thrown in, I don't I don't know that there's going to be a – I'm sure there will be some changes, but I don't think it's going to be a complete overhaul. Are you surprised Adrian's moved on? Well, I think, you know, so, you know sometimes, uh, you know, you look at a lot of the quarterbacks in, in, in um, college that have had that extra year that have moved on and the quarterback out at, at um, Seattle, I mean, he, he – he was at school, moved to uh, Wisconsin, and pff, blew the world up, yeah. you know, and uh, things like that. So, you know, he might have been kind of in the same boat a little bit. I don't know. They didn't have that transfer rule and all get that extra year, of course. You know, they had a uh, they had to finish their eligibility somehow and still have a year of, you know, a, a fifth year. So. Uh, it's it's really hard to say, you know, uh, what what comes out. I think it's the individual himself that has to be determined to come in. And the hard thing is, is these kids want to start. Mm-hmm. And is he going to be good enough to be one of those, or is he going to be a backup and not be happy? And, you know, that's really hard. And when you bring a junior college in uh, where kids think they're going to be the guy in the position and you move them, sometimes, it, you know, there's a little bit of friction and, you know, it's not as not as good for a team when you have a lot of that. Now, transfers are different. I think they're they they've done because they want to be here. Um, you know, most of them that you hear them talk, you know, came here for a reason, and uh, that that's what's important. They didn't come out of high school and really not experience anything in big time college football. And I think that's what's that's what's the good part about it, getting transfer people. Coach, want to talk about the the coaching carousel? Big shakeup, of course, with <laughs> USC and Oklahoma, Notre Dame, 
uh, going with their defensive coordinator, Brian Kelly, going down to LSU. And, of course, Miami getting Cristobal. Uh, did you expect it to be as wild <laughs> as it's been? Oh, no, not, not really. Not, I mean, not with 10-year contracts and all that kind of stuff. I, I mean, I'm looking at... I'm looking at myself and saying, you know, a 10-year contract, that's that's how a president can ever okay that without some way some way to get out of it, I don't know. Because if, you know, you end up with a, a guy that just doesn't do it and you got him for two years or something and you owe him for eight years, that's really hard on hard on the university. And, and where it hurts is when it hurts, the, hurts your athletes because you can't do as much for them. So... What? So, but it, but what I'm seeing is not unusual. It can it can all of a sudden explode. And some years you won't see anything happen. Mm-hmm. You know, and some years are wild, and this is one of them. What do you think? Uh, what Nick did with Alabama over Georgia? What did you think about Michigan? Well, I tell you what, you can look at look at Oklahoma and, and Oklahoma State and some of that stuff. You beat the team once; it's tough to beat them the second mm-hmm. time. I mean, it really is. And I think a lot of times it's a mental thing. The players say, well, we beat them already, and they lose a little bit of their edge and things like that. And and you can't in one of those championship games. Um, I think Alabama just almost, to me, made a half a turn better. I mean, they just all of a sudden they had some guys that didn't play as much last year that now are starting to get their feet underneath them. And as the year goes on, that always happens. I mean, Happens with young players. Sometimes you get a young player that you wouldn't think is a freshman when he gets to be uh, the years over. So uh, it's it's really kind of like, going to be kind of interesting to see. I think Alabama is going to be a lot tougher than people think they are. That was super impressive over Georgia. Michigan rolled Iowa, and of course you got Cincinnati that's uh, that's still unbeaten. Charlie McBride's with us a Monday with Charlie. Coach, we'll talk next Monday and maybe have some more assistance to be talking about. Okay, that'll be good. I hope I know them. I'm getting too old for knowing a lot of them. So. <laughs> well, you st- got, yeah, but I can usually find out pretty quick. Well, stay out of that snow, okay? I'll do it. Take, Thanks, guys. Take I care, appreciate Coach. you having Okay, bye now. There he is, Mr. Blackshirt. Yeah, I can see Coach sitting on the couch, little fire going, winter storm advisory in Michigan, and I can just see the uh, the expression. Charlie's probably going to go do a snow angel and make a snowman with a black shirt on. Derek Peterson, Dr. Petey, up next with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Well, he's been... Smoke today on Twitter, but Ian Rappaport bringing a whole different uh, side to NFL coverage. What do you, what's to look for, Elijah? I don't know what you're talking about. I'm talking about Ian Rappaport and his quote post of um, Jared Goff's girlfriend reacting to uh, the winning touchdown pass for the Detroit Lions. She was on a SI swimsuit shoot. <laughs> and everyone's like, dude, you posted a picture of her on a beach at eight in the morning. Calm down, man. 
I just saw the caption. This is the best. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because he's quite happy for to a young couple in love. I'm sure. Uh huh. Yeah. There wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and old Will Compton is like, I'm here for these comments. Uh, we're not gonna. We're, we're gonna go back to football. <laughs> we're gonna go back to football. Derek Peterson's with us. Doctor Petey from HailVarsity.com and Magazine at Doctor PDHV on Twitter. Derek, how was the weekend? What's up, man? I was so confused by what you were talking about. I hadn't seen any of this, but but now I'm looking at. It. Of course, Will Compton is the first first uh, response that pops up that just says i'm here for the comments yes agreed exactly and and yeah it's it's a unique uh it's a unique setting right who doesn't want to want to see a a gorgeous beach on a monday morning right (laughs) what hold on wait a minute oh they won they won they won right that's all about detroit getting out that that offer for snide Okay. Needs to focus on football a little bit more. <laughs> I know. Let's uh, let's dive in to uh, to Nebraska, and uh, you got the Mickey Joseph hire done. That's big for the Big Red. I think Mickey will be nice. I'm interested in, in your thoughts because you know back to the offensive coordinator discussion point. You know, Derek, are you in? Are are you thinking that this thing gets? Finalized here by the end of the week, or you know, have you spun the wheel? today on on what what's the name of the week is it back to graham harrell i don't think i don't think so um i mean you know at, at the rate the coaching carousel is spinning you know maybe his his offensive coordinator preference has already been named a head coach 15 times over no kidding. um you know part of it is is a couple of guys were still coaching Seems like some of the reporting out there is that he's been interested in some guys that were still coaching. Um, there has been some movement on staffs today and, and sort of in latter part of this weekend. Um, I, I mean, like, <clears throat> I wrote in my column Sunday night, Monday morning, um, that it, it needs to move quick for them because they're, they're kind of in wait-and-see mode on a number of fronts right now and they really need to be they really need to be moving because like as the the freshman class that they're looking to bring in this this upcoming recruiting class it's small and frost has been saying that cautioning that it's going to be small for a while but it's small so that they can really hit the transfer portal hard if you're going to do that and bring in like truly impact players like I, I think my column uh, a week ago looked at uh, what Mel Tucker did at Michigan State um, in the offseason between his first and his second year this past offseason. I think they brought in 15 transfers, and 12 of them were from Power 5 schools. Um, it, it seems like at the rate things are going, if you're going to be doing that, like you got to be doing it quickly. Guys are going in. Guys are coming out. I saw Jaden Hazelwood went in the portal, and, and <laughs> it seemed like within 24 hours he was at Arkansas. Um so some of the, you know, some of the developmental pieces, guys that are looking for more playing time that that maybe haven't proven much to this point in their career, doesn't really help you when you're going into a win now season, which is what Frost is going into. Um, but it's also hard to get. It's hard to be attractive to, you know, a, um, a top flight wide receiver. It's hard to be attractive to a quarterback when you don't have an offensive coordinator 
when you don't have, you know, an offensive line coach or a quarterback's coach, when, when players that are looking at Nebraska, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, look at it and say, I don't know what your identity is. I didn't know what it was before, and I especially don't know what it is now. I don't know who's going to be coaching me. Um, so he's got to get it, you know, he's got to get this thing figured out. I think, I think quickly, I think he's got to get it, I think he's got to get it worked out and then get back on the road. He himself get back on the road recruiting to try to, you know, finish out this 22 class. Derek, I want to get to this offensive identity in 2022. It's been a little bit of, uh, of pretty much our biggest talking point today. And the, the, the common answer today has been Nebraska needs to return to its, its power run game roots. Would you agree with that assessment? Um, yeah, that's the popular thing to say. I think Nebraska just needs to, to maximize its personnel and just play to its personnel. Um, and, and, you know, I, I thought this past season, the success that Nebraska was or was not going to have was going to be predicated on how successful their offensive line was. And their offensive line struggled mightily. There's a number floating out there. Matt Hinton, Hinton, I think, that, that said that Nebraska's tackle play was, what, worst in, in terms of pressures allowed. Um, so they got to be able to protect the quarterback. they got to be able to consistently open up run lanes for the traditional running game. It, it, it doesn't really matter what you're running if your offensive line can't block for it. Um, so, like, you know, we see the triple option stuff with them this year that they kind of stumbled into, and, and it's and it works pretty well, depending on what the quarter, who the quarterback's going to be next year. Maybe that changes. Um, depending on what you have at running back, maybe that changes. Um, they just need to – I think they just need to be able to, to fully maximize what they have available to them. And it, it just has to start up front. They have to find five quality players on the offensive line that are going to consistently block, consistently open up run lanes, and then you can sort of do the stuff that, that Scott Frost has been trying to do. Then you can have the, the pet plays and you can have inside zone, things like that. Um, you know, they've been, they've been a run-heavy team. Um, uh, you know, so, so we'll see. I mean, the offensive coordinator is going gonna, is gonna to play a big part in this as well. Do you think what, – what's the, the formula then for – 2022 let's just pretend that that cam jurgens is gone you've got two tackles that struggled but are high profile guys right i mean there's there's talent there just needs to be some development you wonder when big teddy's coming back you uh you have to probably fix two-thirds of your interior uh so either you do that in the portal or you really do a whale of a job with whoever the next line coach is between now and, and kickoff in Ireland. I mean, yeah. and then you're trying to figure out, okay, here's what we're going to do year one in an offense. Let's get some input from Mickey Joseph. Let's get some input from the OC and O-line. Uh, and, and what do we have? What do we bring in? I mean, there's so many moving parts, Derek. That's that. It's a tall order to be, better on the offensive line based on some of the transition that's happening. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it really is, especially so if Cam Jurgens is thinking about jumping to the NFL. Um, you haven't really developed anything at center behind him. And, 
you know, there was a guy from Virginia that just jumped into the transfer portal today who was a Remington Trophy finalist um, this season. You don't typically get that kind of a player to the port. I shouldn't say typically; it's, it's happening a ton all over. But that kind of the play, that kind of a player going into the transfer portal, he's probably going to have his phone blowing up. He's probably going to find a spot soon. It'd be nice if you had an offensive line coach to call that guy up. Um, you know, I, I think we'll see what happens. Um, I, the other part of it, too, is how comfortable are you? I don't think this is going to be, you know, 90s Nebraska option offense. I don't think they're going to veer all the way into it. I, I, I think it, it obviously worked for them in, in um, the way that they used it this season. But a lot of this, too, is going to depend on Logan Smothers' development and, and how comfortable you feel with him as a quarterback, he's not going to run it 24 times a game over the course of an entire season. It works when, you know, the other team has, has no film on him and it's the last game of the year and he's completely fresh coming in. He's got nothing going on with him. You carry it 24 times and, and you know, the, the, the opportunity cost isn't huge there. The risk isn't huge there, but you can't have your, you can't have your quarterback running it 24 times a game. Um, so the way that they use him, I would suspect is going to be significantly different next year than it was in the Iowa game. And so what are you comfortable with, with him if, if, if he is in fact the quarterback? What can he do throwing it? How much do you ask him to run it? Do you have a running game behind him with backs and do you have an offensive line that can block? Uh, so you're not getting pressured on third and seven or you're unable to convert on third and two <laughs> running the football in the red zone. I mean, yeah, I mean, this is the thing right now. There's just so much unknown with them because you don't know what the personnel is going to be, but you also don't know what the coaching staff is right now that and what their preferences are on, on types of players and, and personnel groupings and things like that. So there's just so much that is just kind of up in the air with Nebraska right now. And, you know, I guess we'll see where it lands. Is it is it more about Nebraska's perceived disorganization or is it just the reality of, of the carousel right now? Where would you lean? Um, I, I mean, the carousel is crazy. Like everybody, you know, it's, it, I don't, I, you know, I wrote this line in my column. I think I did. Maybe, maybe I took it out. I, if there's dysfunction behind the scenes, I don't, I don't necessarily care. It doesn't, it's not important in the grand scheme of things. Um, you know, these processes are hard, especially so when you're talking to guys that are still coaching, um, it, this is, this is like stuff that, takes time, but at the same time, you know, Oklahoma already has its next head coach in Brent mm-hmm. Venables, and they got that figured out pretty quickly. Um, the, the larger concern for me is that, you know, the transfer portal at this point is just a stream of players leaving Nebraska, no one coming to Nebraska, and, you know, the only name that we have finalized is who's going to be the wide receiver coach. At least that got done. That's, that, that's, a, that's a big get, but more needs to yeah, happen. I, say, I really like I really like Mickey Joseph. I think that I think potentially it could be like a watershed moment for Frost because I you know Mickey Joseph was one of two four seven top recruiters in the country mm-hmm. uh, two two years ago two cycles ago and I think you know he signed like double digit four or five star players in the last in, in, in the twenty eighteen through twenty twenty classes twenty twenty one one of those I had the line in my column he signed like he's. He's got immediate credibility walking in the door. He's a big deal. He's a big deal for them to get. He developed Justin Jefferson, who was a three-star guy. Like I don't want to underscore. 
I think that's a big get for Frost. I think it's a big win for the program um, for them to be able to get him. It's not just one of those like, yeah, he was, you know, he was here, so let's bring him back. He's a big time hire. Big get. Derek, we'll do this again Monday, buddy. Thanks for jumping on. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. All-state, two-year starter, and rush in for the big run and NFL vet. Is Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt Jay Moore with Hail Varsity Radio. Back into it, Hale Varsity Radio. Let's check in with co-host of Big Red Wrap-Up, Blackshirt Husker NFLer, Jay Moore, to talk some Big Red Ball. Jay Bird, what's, uh, what's good? How was the weekend? Oh, the weekend was good. Need uh, golf on Saturday, so that, that was good. Watched uh, a lot of good football, too, on Saturday. So, all in all, it was, uh, it was a solid weekend. Let's get into uh, the big man in the middle, heading off to the NFL. Damian Daniels, last week we talked. We thought that was probably... Uh, reality it is now and uh how big a loss is this for the big red and just overall i mean there's not grades that are going to come out on daniels that said he's been here a while and he had a really good uh, final year yeah definitely not surprised by his decision to to make that jump he played you know he he arguably probably was the most improved you know player this year on, on defense he was at times, he had done some good things, but his consistency just wasn't quite there. I know he played very well uh, against Iowa last year. I would love to see him go against a really good center again this year, but unfortunately, he was banged up. You know, the guy was the guy was really good playing uh, over the center, or even you want to put him over the guard, or just in the middle. He was he was really really good, and you know, I'm sure his his grade was well enough to to make that jump. And if you're these guys who with extra COVID year. If it's one thing if you knew, you know, Nebraska had a chance to win a Big Ten title next year or make a New Year's Day bowl game, you know, whatever it may be. But, I mean, I don't think that's, that's that much of a, real, a realistic expectation right now. So I think these guys are, are looking at uh, bigger and better opportunities right now, and I, I can't blame them. Does he remind you of anybody you played with? Off the top of my head, it's, it's tough because played in the 3-4, but I – I don't know. I mean, he could play. He could play in a three-four or a four-three. To be honest, and maybe that's what's attractive uh, about him to scouts and GMs and other personnel, upper-level personnel in the NFL. I think he could play a, a three technique in a four-three, or even a shade in a four-three, or he can put him in, put, play him in a three-four. I think he could do do both. So I, I think that's that's a nice luxury to have for him. I can't really. It's it's, it's hard because, like I said, he's played in. I mean, with all the defensive changes, you know, he's played in a, a few different styles of, of defenses. And I just, you know, I, I think of like a true nose tackle in a three-four. You know, I, that's not him to me. I think he's he's more athletic, better than that. You know, he's that's why I think he can play multiple spots. So off the top of my head, I wish wish I had a name for you, but I I, I don't. I just I think he's 
you know, he's not one of one, but he just has that that ability, I think, to play multiple positions. And I think that's what makes him attractive to those 32 NFL teams. Jay, as you watch him, you're a guy who's done it and knows it. I mean, what kind of adjustment is it like going from college to the NFL? What is he going to have to work on, do you think? I had to make a big jump because I went from a 4-3 defensive end to a stand-up outside linebacker in a 3-4 that had to learn past, you know, you know, uh, coverages and communications and all this stuff. So I kind of learned how to read all over again. Uh, he, I mean, it's just, you know, how, you know how to take on blocks, right? You know how to, you know how to take on double teams. You know, it's simple alignments. Alignments are going to be the same. The terminology is going to be the same. It might be vastly different. But he's just, he's just going against men now. I mean, there's men in college, but these, these are real men now in, in NFL. And you have to be better with your technique and you have to be smart you know I, I think you have to really understand pass protections and just how offensive linemen are aligned because that can give you tells on what they're trying to do to you and so just kind of give you a, a one you know you can one up them and give you a head start into into that play you know and if you know if the back's offset here the center's going to be going this way or if uh, you know you see the, the wider split between center and guard you know that you know the the it's a power whatever it may be just little tells in there you have to be really um you need to you have to be on top of that type that uh, type of stuff so it shouldn't be an issue for him it's just really just focusing on the technique part of it jay cam jurgens has not made a decision he'll get some info back this week i'd be surprised if he's back for another year cam uh, has the ability to, to make the jump with his athleticism how detrimental will this be to the line if it uh, happens huge because he's yeah, he, I mean, it's, that, that'd be a big loss because he was the only consistent guy, I thought, on the offensive line uh, for the most of the year on the offensive line that I thought wasn't very good. So that that's not that's not helpful whatsoever to what we have coming back. And, you know, he's able to do some you – know, he's pretty dynamic. He's able to do to get out there and pull and be in space, you know, just obviously knowing his, his athletic background, you know, his ability to do some things that most centers aren't able to do. So you don't have, you know, most most centers aren't converted tight ends in high school. You know, that's, you know maybe offensive tackles are converted from tight end, but centers aren't, you know, usually don't uh, aren't former tight ends. So his his ability to move and 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 block in space and have some athletic ability up front that's that's pretty unique for him. So yeah, that's gonna that's gonna ding. You know, that's gonna hurt. That's gonna hurt what's coming back. And you know, the only way I see this offense and this team getting better is is improving on the offensive line and getting them playing more physical and, and downhill and aggressive. But, you know, without him, that's, that's going to, that's going to be, that's pretty detrimental to, to this offensive line and, and this offense going into next year. If he, if he decides to obviously, you know, go to the NFL, which again, I can't blame these guys. It's not like you're coming back to a guaranteed big 10 title, you know, game or anything like that. I mean, this is, they haven't, they haven't sniffed a winning season uh, yet. So it's, these are I don't know if they're that hard a decision to make for for kids, you know, having the opportunity to take that jump. Jay, we'll wrap with this. The hot name is Graham Harrell, USC's offensive coordinator, perhaps uh, making his way to Lincoln. Uh, also, hear about Wake's guy, Zach Hill from Arizona State, uh, Brent Davis from Army. I mean, the, we we should hear about an OC this week. We're, we're thinking. What offense do you want? Because Harold's air raid, and air raid's great, but I don't know that air raid's great in Big Ten November. Yeah, that that doesn't excite me a whole lot. You know, I haven't watched – I didn't get to watch a ton of USC, you know, with him being there. And I just – 
you know, I I want I want someone that's going to commit to the run game. You know, obviously, I think honestly, I think the offensive line coach is more important than the the OC. But technically, that might be the OC's responsibility to bring an offensive line coach to execute the system he wants. So, with that being said, yeah, Graham Harrell does not does not do it for me. You know, that's 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 air raid, that's Texas Tech, that's that's Mike Leach, that's pirate ball. You know, that's that's chucking it around 60, 70 times a game, and you know that sounds nice and and, and to do in, <laughs> in September and maybe October. All of a sudden, you get some cold weather games and you can't throw it. Then you got to lean on the run game. You're you are. Uh, you know, you're up, you know, what kind of crick without a paddle. And so, uh, you know, I don't know. You know, all the names, there's so many names. And then the speculation, I just want them to commit to the run game and just get offensive linemen playing more physical and get the running backs playing better. That's just going to open up everything else. If you can get a run game going, that's just going to open up everything else. you got to commit to it. And you got to say, hey, this spring ball, you know what, guys, this is going to be an SOB because we are getting physical and we are flat getting after it because we're going to run the football. And they – Flat haven't been able to do it for four years, and it may take that back. You know, when Divine was here, that was they were able to get it going a little bit. But again, that was not with Frost guys. So, I want to see a downhill running attack, and then and then utilize the passing game off of that. And it's not it's not a, my my offense would not be very sexy. It's but it works. It works in the Big Ten. We've seen it. We just saw the two teams commit to it that that do it in in the Big Ten. You know, in the Big Ten championship this this weekend. You know, so it's you know there's no. You know, there's no need to uh, recreate, you know, the offense or you got to do anything drastic. I think it's just getting back to the basics of sound fundamental. What what worked here for decades, right? I mean, freaking decades running game and being physical up front and flat getting after it works. So I don't I don't see any reason why you, you, we need to do anything different. Jay Moore, Black Shirt Husker, NFLer. Bird, have a good week. Thanks for a few minutes. Yeah, you got it. Thanks, boys. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time, single barrel tomorrow, 4 to 6, Real Red Tip-Off, uh, Roadshow Tuesday, down at the Haymarket inside the Graduate Single Barrel. Jeff Smith, Hall of Fame coach, going to be riding shotgun with me for a bit. So we get ready for Nebraska-Michigan, Rick Kaczynski tomorrow, Mitch Sherman tomorrow. Joe's on the line. Joe, thanks for chiming in. Go ahead. Oh, hey, Chris. Hey, uh, long time, first time. <laughs> thanks, man. And, and I've been here, I've been wanting to call you throughout the year, but... Here I am, right? Uh, here's a dark horse OC. I think it'd be perfect. This guy's name is Courtney Messiham. He's from Iowa, I think northern Iowa. He was up in North Dakota State, then Kansas State, and just got fired. But he runs an in, inside power scheme, and he likes to go over the top. And I actually think that would be a perfect fit. I don't know you know, what's on Scott Frost's mind, obviously. But I think the, the running with power – 
is, is the missing element. Uh, also, I'm not real big on the option. I think, I think you're just sacrificing your quarterback. You're just giving them a free the defense a free shot at, um, at your defender, at your quarterback. So all things in, in, you know, all things together. I think this guy's interesting. Should watch some of his videos. Very powerful team. Uh, very, just very look at the quarterbacks, team. Joe. Look at the quarterbacks North Dakota State has had, and K State under Kleinman's been good. That was kind of a surprise dismissal, to be honest with you, yeah. uh, because of how tight and tight of the hip they'd been. It could totally work, and, and I love the option, but, yeah, how dura- do you have two quarterbacks that are durable, and are you able to be effective enough in the throwing game if you're, if you're a, a true option? you got to sprinkle the option and pray for, uh, for health and safety. But, no, Courtney's a good name. I've heard that name. I'm, I'm appreciating you, you bringing it up and there's worse ideas how would it go over uh especially just with the dismissal right from kansas state because how how pedestrian their offense was yeah and but they were seven and five and they lost the last two games and he was the fall guy right and and i think that once that offense is installed you know and the, and the o-line is running a power scheme or a zone scheme they're mm-hmm. running the ball you know that line gets a lot better a lot better. You're asking, you know, up this year you're asking 18 and 19 year olds to, to do uh, pass pro, and it's it's a lot, right? It is. Well, I, I would be all all for a O line that can fire off and and throw a punch, right? The, versus yeah. taking the punch. Good stuff, Joe. Appreciate you tuning in, man. Yeah, anytime. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. I love it. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Good to hear from Joe. So yeah, you've heard of Messingham, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, North Dakota State, K-State, their offense is good enough to, to put up about 30 and punch people in the face. But when we're at the point of this this coaching search where you can just throw out any name I've heard of before and be like, oh, yeah, I believe it. I, I can see Nebraska going after is the, Is the delay because there's so many interviews and options, or is the delay because no one wants to come here? That's the worry, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's one or the other. I think it's, honestly, it is timing. It's timing. Single barrel, come see us. Roadshow tomorrow. Nebraska, Michigan, uh, four to six roadshow at the single barrel. See ya. A Huda Media Production.